Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning. It's Monday, the 18th of September here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, Keir Starmer pledges to renegotiate the post-Brexit trade agreement with the EU as traders voice their support for a Labour government. UK rental costs surge at the fastest pace in at least a decade. Plus, we take a closer look at a money laundering trial in Monaco that sees six bankers accused of helping an Italian businessman store bags of cash. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Two-thirds of finance professionals believe a Labour-led government would be the best result for UK stocks and the pound. Despite Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's efforts since replacing Trust last year, 80% of traders in a Bloomberg survey believe confidence in UK assets hasn't fully recovered. The result comes as the Labour leader, Keir Starmer, refused to rule out tax increases for the wealthy if he were to win the next general election. Here's his response when asked if the tax burden would rise under Labour. I want it to come down for working people, but I also uh, am absolutely focused on growing the economy. If the economy in the last 13 years had grown at the same rate as the last Labour government, we'd have tens of billions of pounds to spend on our public services without raising a penny more in tax. Speaking separately to the Financial Times, Keir Starmer also said he would seek to secure a, quote, much better Brexit trade deal with the EU, but ruled out rejoining the customs union. So an increasing focus on Keir Starmer's economic policies as the former Conservative Prime Minister Liz Truss prepares to blame the UK's anemic growth on too much, quote, economic consensus. Almost exactly a year since Truss's ill-fated mini-budget, the ex-leader will use a speech today to argue that her plans would have saved the UK almost £36 billion over two years. Her intervention comes as the current Prime Minister Rishi Sunak faces growing criticism from a range of voices in the Tory party who say that he should cut taxes to boost economic growth. The UK's property market smashed another record as costs to rent rise at the fastest pace in at least a decade. Bloomberg's Chris Pitt has the details. Tenants are paying 12% more than a year ago for new rental agreements, the largest rise since property broker Hamptons began publishing its lettings index. The average person is now paying £1,300 a month for rent. That's up £140 from a year ago and the highest on record. In the sales market, property portal Rightmove says sellers were asking 0.4% more in September, the first time asking prices have risen since May. But it's still well below the increase usually seen at this time of year. The figures underscore inflationary pressures that are alarming the Bank of England and adding to pressure for another hike in interest rates on Thursday. In London, I'm Chris Pitt, Bloomberg Radio. 
Now, the president of the United Auto Workers Union says that he is unmoved by the 21% pay rise offered from Stellantis as the strike against the big three US automakers continues. Here's the exchange between Sean Fain and the news anchor on CBS's Face the Nation. You know, our demands are just, we're asking for our fair share in this economy and the fruits of our labor. So 21% is a no-go for you? It's definitely a no-go, and we've made that very clear to the companies. Fain's comments signal the union and Detroit executives at Ford, GM and Stellantis are still far apart when it comes to negotiations. Workers at plants in Michigan, Ohio and Missouri walked off the job on Friday in a partial strike that's threatening billions of dollars in losses if it spreads to more plants. Bloomberg understands that global banks in India are expanding maternity benefits to include perks rarely seen elsewhere in the country in an effort to attract and retain female employees. India already requires a minimum 26 weeks of maternity leave at full pay, among the longest in the G20 economies, according to the World Bank's gender data portal. Overall, less than a quarter of adult women in India work among the lowest rates in the world. Really interesting story caught my eye this morning on the Terminal Caroline about the role of sponsors in women's football and the effort that they can have in turning, I suppose, their financial contributions into also promotion of the sport. Um, Looking at some of the uh, Mm. stories, of course, around the controversy around Luis Rubiales in Spain as well and how Adidas has stayed out of the furore for the moment but looking at suppose the broader influence they can have and at what moment brands choose to step in when there are controversies in the sport and to use their influence in that way quite an interesting read on the subject Yeah no absolutely I mean um, the the fact is that that, um, participation and viewership uh, has increased enormously but we saw in the Women's World Cup that, that that wasn't matched really by the broadcasting uh, might in terms of pay uh, to watch those games and so yes the question is how much uh, sponsorship money is there out there especially when controversies hit the game. Yeah, well, let's turn now to one of the stories we're following for you here in the UK. The details on the MLive Pulse survey from Bloomberg showing investors hoping for a clear Labour victory at the next election. This, as Keir Starmer has been speaking about his tax policy plans and his ambitions for beefing up the UK trade deal with the EU if he becomes Prime Minister after the next election. Our UK correspondent Lizzie Burden is here with us for more on this. So Keir Starmer doing a series of interviews over the, re- the weekend, um, Lizzie giving us some more clues about Labour's policies. What did we learn? Well, Starmer refused to guarantee that there won't be tax rises for the rich if Labour comes to power. He said that he wants the tax burden to come down for working people, which seems to contradict what the Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves said recently, that Labour wouldn't raise capital gains tax, that it wouldn't introduce a mansion tax. She also said that Labour no longer planned to raise the top rate of tax, which Starmer had pledged back in 2020. Look, he said that his plan is to grow the economy out of public funding shortfalls, which is pretty similar to what the Chancellor Jeremy Hunt told has Linda Amin at Bloomberg last week at the G20 in New Delhi. But Starmer was also forced to admit that if that plan doesn't work, he might be forced to turn to tax rises. He's also meeting the French President Emmanuel Macron this week, so trying to get the edge on the Conservatives by increasing cooperation with the EU. And it makes me think of Friday's episode of the Bloomberg UK Politics podcast. We were talking to Henry Murison, the CEO of the Northern Powerhouse, 
partnership. Stay with me for this mm. comparison, right? He said that northern businesses are basically looking past the next 15 months or so of Conservative rule and assuming that Labour's going to win the election and basically planning for that. So I wonder whether international leaders are taking the same approach. Yeah, it was a great interview. It was incredibly combative mm. because, of course, the northern powerhouse leader was talking about um, rail connection and connectivity that the Conservative government has pulled back on progressive. He sounded, frankly, furious about it. And, you know, was but that was a long term project. Labour's also been on a mission, of course, to win over the business community uh, in the city and, and, and around. And our MLive Pulse survey shows that that does seem to be working. Really a line in the sand moment. So about two thirds of finance professionals back Keir Starmer as Prime Minister. This is according, as you say, to our latest MLive Pulse survey. The majority think that Starmer would be better for the pound and better for the FTSE. So it suggests that this smoked salmon and scrambled eggs offensive is actually working. This is Starmer's version of Tony Blair's prawn cocktail offensive, of course, to woo the city. And remember, but Starmer's had to work extra hard here because his predecessor as Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn, was so distrusted by the business community. So he's scrapped Corbyn's nationalisation plans. He's picked ex-BOE economist Rachel Reeves as his shadow chancellor. He's given her more profile than any of his front bench. And then for the Tories part, it shows just how hard Starmer's ha- uh, Sunak is having to work, I should say, to heal those reputational scars left by Liz Truss. And it doesn't seem he's managed yet but she's going to be coming back today a year on from her mini budget to uh, tell us about uh, whether well her thoughts a year on from her premiership. Yeah I mean is Liz Truss returning to I suppose a little bit more prominently the political scene going to cause trouble for Rishi Sunak? I bet he hopes not. She's stayed on the fringes of politics since that short disastrous term. What she's expected to say is that she's glad both both political parties agree on the need for economic growth. She blames the lack of it on what she calls 25 years of economic consensus that now needs to be shattered. She's expected to say that free market economists were lured by city money and that's left academia to be captured by the left. So it doesn't look like we're going to get any apologies today. More attacks on the blob. And if you can believe it, a preview of this speech that she's set to give to the Institute for Government at 10am this morning Mm. says she's going to remind us It's not about sharing the pie. It's about growing the pie. I thought we'd learned that you can't grow pies. Anyway, she's expected to defend what has been described as unfunded tax cuts that she was planning to do. And she's expected to say they weren't implemented because there was a reaction from the political and economic establishment which fed into the markets, markets that were already destabilised by the BOE's slowness to hike interest rates and the failure to regulate LDIs. Look, our listeners are the markets. They were the guardrails. I think they can decide what they, why they did what they did. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Lizzie Burden, thank you so much for being with us. Our UK correspondent, Lizzie Burden. I mean, very interesting, I think, to look at that uh, Bloomberg MLive Pulse survey about the support around uh, Labour's policies and, you know, some even looking through it. Really interesting. Lizzie, thank you so much. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. 
This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Well, let's turn next to a story from Monaco. Six bankers there are, spec- are about to face trial following an investigation that shows how eager they were to accept regular bundles of cash from an Italian businessman who's said to have links to the mafia. Our legal reporter, Gaspar Sebag, joins us now for, from Paris with more on this story. Good morning to you, Gaspar. Great to have you with us. What struck you most in this investigation? Good morning. Thanks for having me too. Um, well, here we have uh, an Italian businessman who's uh, making these regular visits to uh, Monaco with uh, bundles of cash. And I think what's uh, quite striking really is the size of them. Um, we've got a, a banker who's telling investigators that he would arrive with uh, a bag full of cash, not not an envelope, a bag full of cash. And, and also the frequency is quite striking. He, he comes three times in just under six weeks, and each time he deposits 150,000 euros in cash. And none of these um, alarm bells are rung at the banks, and it just keeps on going. Tell us about um, the man himself, more about this Italian um, man, Amore. What do we know of him? Well, sure. So uh, he presents himself to uh, bankers as a real estate and construction um, entrepreneur. And um, that's what also is quite striking in this uh, investigation is that the bankers uh, never try to ascertain where his funds come from. Um, They actually candidly admit to investigators that they thought the money that he was bringing in was money stemming from tax fraud. But according to them, the tax fraud was committed elsewhere, maybe in Italy or elsewhere, and uh, not in Monaco, where it's not a crime. And so, therefore, they had just uh, no concerns. And they said, no, it's not money laundering. Keep keep, keep on going, going on. So how did this case get started then, the one that's set to begin? Well, uh, as you can imagine from what I'm saying, it's not in Monaco that it began. They didn't really start to look into the bonnet until until, uh, the Italians started closing in on this uh, fellow, Mr. Mori. The Italians had this um, vast investigation into corruption allegations, which is known as Mafia Capitale. It uh, it led to about eighty arrests in uh, throughout the country. Uh, it was it was a it was a huge case. Mr. Amore himself was uh, named a suspect, and he was charged in a parallel investigation into uh, an allegedly rigged contract to renovate a, a city building in Rome. And so, when news of Amore's involvement um, actually made it to the public, uh, Monaco was kind of forced to lick into it. You know, it all all became quite strange. Um, and so that's how it got kicked started from from elsewhere. And then what what do you think that the probe tells us about what's going on in Monaco? Well, so in Monaco, um, some of these uh, allegations date date back a little bit, but I I think the issue is very topical because Mm Just in, uh, in in January, we had a report from uh, European anti-money laundering r- r- uh, officials who were very critical of Monaco's uh, control systems concerning money laundering. And they have um, then passed on their findings to another organism known as FATF. And FATF has the power 
to put a country on what's known as the gray list of countries which don't do enough to stem the, the flow of dirty money. So Monaco's at a real risk here um, to possibly be kind of, you know, gray listed and, 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 and put into this uh, category of, of kind of unsavory nations. What about and, the bankers themselves? What, what, what do we know about uh, the case that's being mounted against them? So uh, the investigation was uh, a bit more far-reaching in its initial steps. I think as many as 11 bankers were initially uh, prosecuted, but only six will face trial. Two are facing money laundering uh, accusations, and, and these two were banned from the industry. And the other four are actually accused of having uh, not filed what's known as a suspicious transaction report, which is this essential tool which helps, um, you know, anti-money drawing processes actually come to life. Um, And they just didn't, you know, they stood by and didn't do anything. That's what they're accused of. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.